And then today, part three, probably the most exciting one, is where? When the world is your oyster, where the hell do you go? Hello and welcome to episode 67 of a Sideways Life podcast. I'm Al. I'm Leanne. And hello, welcome. Hi, 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 hi. Hello. If this is your first time listening, then uh, you're very welcome. Um, we are pleased to have you. Um, however you are, joining on part three of a three-parter, the final part, which is how you can live and work abroad in 2022. Do you want to tell the lovely listeners a little bit about part one and two, Leah? Sure. So our part one started with what we think is the most important question. That's why. Why do you want to blow up your life and <laughs> move abroad? Because let's be honest, you will. Um, so there's some pretty serious talk in that episode. So questions you need to ask yourself. And then the second question we think you need to answer is how. Um, so financially, how are you going to sustain yourself if you, if you move abroad? And then today, part three, probably the most exciting one, is where? When the world is your oyster, where the hell do you go? Before we talk about the empty car park syndrome, um, which is featured a lot in our life, uh, you might be thinking that's a stupid way of doing things. Why don't you just work out where you want to go and then everything else will fall into place? As Leanne alluded to a second ago, we don't believe that's the case. We left the UK in 2013, been traveling full time since 2017, 44 countries, 158 stops, I think it is. Um, and we've learned that actually it's much more important to go in that quite in that order. How? Sorry, <laughs> I should get this right. <laughs> Why, how and where? So if you've not listened to part one and two, um, then I would recommend going back and listen to them. Part two is an investment. It's almost an hour, um, but hopefully it's quite really... practical. Yes. Part two. It's all about how to make money. Mm -hmm. I think part one is a bit kind of like holding a mirror up emotional. Mm -hmm. Two is practical mm -hmm. and three is fun. But so like, if you've made if you listened to the two and made it this far, good for you, my friend. You are ready. <laughs> you are ready. Let us talk about where you can go. Definitely. Definitely. So um, what we're going to talk about today is the where. Now, we talked about it before. I mentioned the empty car park syndrome. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Leanne? So I think you you first talked to me about the empty car park syndrome. And from what I understand, it's like if you drive into a car park and all the spaces are empty, you're never going to, even if you pull up into one, you're probably going to move and go, actually, oh, there looks better. And oh, what about that one? And, but then if I go here, it's overwhelming the choice. Mm-hmm. It is. It's really overwhelming. And I think that's one of the problems. I mean, we're in the fortune position where we could live anywhere in Europe, um, pretty much anywhere in Europe. Um, and so you just go, well, where do we go? And it's not, if you know that you've got a top three place or even a country you want to go in, then you've still got the empty car park, like whereabouts in the country do you want to live? But when you when you can literally live anywhere, then that is really quite overwhelming. So um, what we've done today is we had a chat beforehand and we've kind of... We, we, we prepped this one. We did. <laughs> and we had You're lucky. <laughs> if you are just joining us, you're lucky. This is a good episode to start on. Might sound like we actually know what we're talking about. <laughs> and we came up with uh, three questions you should ask about the area or the country or the city or the continent, if you're going that broad. Uh, three questions you should ask about the place and then um, I'm counting them out six questions you need to ask about yourself and this will help you to, to, to decide whereabouts you need to go and of course if someone's listening Leah and they don't have a clue where to go what would you say to them come come keep listening we got you <laughs> we got you I mean generally speaking you you sort of you, you you're kind of split into whether you go to somewhere that speaks your native language or somewhere that doesn't. I suppose that's one way to divide the world, isn't it? 
Yeah, I guess that's a pretty easy starter, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, if you're deciding that you're going to go somewhere that's, that's native speaking and you're Portuguese, then you might have only Brazil and Goa and some other little islands and places that um, uh, that speak Portuguese, for example. So that's definitely going to restrict where you, where you want to go, which mm-hmm. could be good for you. Um, if you are a native English speaker, well, most places we've found speak English and they speak great English. I mean, you go to the rural parts of um, of Albania and you'll still find someone who's going to be able to speak English to you and probably very, very well. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for a little bit more input there. Um, <laughs> no, yes. I okay. mean, it's it's, <clears throat> it's like everything, isn't it? It's, there are people who will speak English. Is the person that you need at the town hall to help you with a very specific problem going to be able to speak English? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. And that's when it can get a bit more, bit more difficult. So I think if you, you know, if you are English speaking and places like Canada or the States or the UK or Australia and New Zealand are on your list, then this is a whole world of things that you don't really need to worry about too much. If you're looking at going to somewhere that, that is non-native speaking of your language, then you probably need to think a little bit more carefully. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's one really easy way. You might already have a place in mind, in which case, great. So if you've decided you want to go and live in Spain or whatever, then um, then the first three questions are hopefully going to help you decide whether that is going to be the right place to go. Do we start with the questions about ourselves first, though? Does that help to narrow it down and then we get a bit more nifty-gritty? Yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we do. So, no? Yeah, no, that that makes sense. So we're talking about vitals. Yeah. All right. So go on, introduce what vitals is and how it's a initialism. So if you listen to episode 64, um, you would have heard us speaking with the fabulous Dr. Audrey Tang, who is a child psychologist. She specializes in mindfulness, resilience. She's a coach. She's just an all-round flipping amazing person, to be honest. Um, so go listen to that. But one of the exercises that she went through with us is, is a, it's it's a it's to help you understand and live authentically. Um, and she uses the what was it called initialism? Yeah, I think it's initialism or acronym. I'm not sure which one. Uh, vitals which is basically six questions that you need to think about or consider um, in, in all aspects of your life. So if you're just feeling a bit a bit down or you're getting unmotivated or you know things just aren't feeling right, then this is a good exercise. But we've taken it and we think it applies to this scenario of trying to decide where in the world to live because it helps you understand how you can, what's important to you to live your authentic life. Absolutely. So we will link to the blog post that she talks about with the vitals. If you are interested, then, um, as Leanne said, she's got she's a coach. She's got lots of great stuff on her website, which you can go and um, consume. Um, but let's just go through. Let's jump straight into these vitals then. So the V, what does the V stand for? So the V stands for values. So what are the values that govern your life that are important to you? And you might be asking quite fairly, what's that got to do with where I live? Well, the, the point is, if you have certain values and they're going to conflict with the general values of the place that you're in, that's going to cause friction. Um, so, for example, if we take um, a value, equality and diversity, right? Really important to us. Um, we have talked before, we have a lot of uh, friends in the LGBTQ plus community. We consider ourselves allies. I will use this as an example because we we know more about it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, first of all, you need to consider that actually there are horrifically still countries in the world where being homosexual is illegal. So that probably rules out some some places. 
wrongly, but sadly it does. But then, you know, you've got places that are going to be more liberal and more conservative. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's two different ways to look at it, really. So you can either think, well, it's, it's, it's important to me and my values to be in a community where that embraces diversity and individuality. That's really important to me. Or if you go back and listen to our episode with Michael and Brent, Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> not sure what episode that was. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but they actually, they're, they're a gay couple, they're digital nomads, and they actually choose to go to places where homosexuality is a bit more under the radar or it's not illegal but not talked about, not mainstream. And they actually find it it's aligned with their values as allies, as supporters, as members of that community. So they've spent a lot of time in places like Georgia and Turkey and have actually really integrated themselves in the community. So I think that the, I mean, a much more simplistic view of that but um, is potentially if you're, let's say that you think dogs... Uh, I like the, the king of animals or something, and uh, and you're like, oh, you can't you can't bear to see any cruelty to dogs or anything like that. And of course, most people wouldn't want to see a dog be mistreated. However, you do go into rural Andalusia, and um, dogs generally just run around. They're not, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're not treated the same way as they are in the UK, in the US, and Canada, etc., etc. Et mm-hmm. A lot of other rural places in Europe, you'll find that dogs are there, and they were they're treated the same way as they were. You know, hundred years ago, they're just there to guard, and often they just you know live on chains and stuff like that. So when you're talking about values, think about that. So um, <laughs> my dog thing, I feel like I might have. Uh, I'm trying to compare dogs with <laughs> LGBTQ. Realized it. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think you are. I think that's the whole point of you know when you talk about values, it can be things that are very core to who you are and what you believe, and then other things that that are of course in comparison less trivial, more trivial, but mm ultimately still very very important to you um and i think it's understanding what your values are understanding the general values of of the countries you're considering and just asking yourself honestly if they align Mm -hmm. brilliant so that was the v which is for values i stands for i stands for interests Mm -hmm. do you want to take this one or from, this is what I understand it because Leanne's a psychologist, and obviously I'm not, um, and uh, Dr. Tang, who invented this, is a psychologist. So I just want to make sure I'm understanding this. But interests are the things that you are interested in doing in a daily basis? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. So if you like if you like skiing, well, Bangkok is probably not the best place for you to choose. Um, if you like sun, uh, sun, you know, winter sun, then Malaga is a good choice. Bansko in Bulgaria is not a good choice because that's going to be cold in um, in in winter. So I think it's think about we're going to go on to weather in a second, but think about what you what you generally do if you like walking in the countryside. Then again, obviously a city isn't going to be might not be the best choice unless you go. All right, well the city has to have trains or good links out into the countryside where I can go for walks and stuff. Absolutely. If you enjoy water sports, then a landlocked country might not be the best idea unless <laughs> there's a big the lake. Best, yeah. yeah. Um, but even, you know, things like if you love to, if you're in a choir, you know, can can you find something like that in the places you're going to? Um, if you love the theatre and music, that's something that I really miss, actually, mm-hmm. is having, you know, access to, to those type of things. So I think it's, yeah, it's worth considering, actually, can you, can you continue the things that you love and your interests and hobbies in a particular country. Yeah, 
And I think it just, I mean, this isn't an interest or a hobby. I know that if Kath's listening, she'll, she'll, she'll hit me in the face with this. But if you are vegetarian, for example, I mean. Well, yes, yeah. You're going to, if you come to a Balkan country, um, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, um, you're, you're going to struggle to find decent vegetarian restaurants. Um, or you, most of your vegetarian options are pizza or or salad. Um, so I mean, it's things like that. You just need to think a bit more. And that's going to touch a little bit on the next, um, no, the, the penultimate one, which we'll talk about in a second. So mm-hmm. we've got interest. So what's next? So T is for temperament. Um, so Audrey talks about this in terms of understanding what is going to give you energy or what's going to give you rest if you, if you need it. So if you've had a, a particularly busy day, um, then it's probably not going to be the best thing for you to plan a very, very busy evening for multiple days in a mm-hmm. row. It's having that balance. In terms of applying this to, to living and working abroad, I saw it more in terms of your preference for perhaps a pace of life. So, for example, if you are super organized, you like things to move very swiftly, very easily, things to be on time, things to be efficient... The manana culture of Spain might be a struggle, <laughs> just being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, if you're very laid back and, you know, like to just spontaneity and see what happens and don't like too much, too many things that are, you know, are quite regimented, um, then moving to a very, you know, westernized country like the UK or Germany, for example, mm-hmm. you know, it, that pace of life is faster. So I think it's also, you know, understanding pace city country what what kind of matches my temperament absolutely brilliantly so we did in the vit this is vital so vit which was values interests and temperament so we're on to a now aren't we yeah so a is around the clock so do you want to check about this so i think the around the clock was um what part of the day do you like do you get most of your energy from um, mm-hmm. So if you're a morning person, you might want to go out there, do a run in the morning, then go and do six hours work and then spend the afternoon relaxing, go to bed at 10 or nine or something. Um, or you might be in a late, what do they call it, night owl. Um, now, this has got both connotations on the actual place that you're going to be. So, for example, we went to Cambodia to see him reap. Um, cool. But then everything kind of closes at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and so restaurants sort of close at 8.30 and we we were still on Spanish time where we wouldn't go out to, to eat till 8.30. Um, so there's that sort of consideration. And similarly with that, if you like to have your dinner at 6 o'clock, good luck in Spain trying to find someone who's going <laughs> to give you dinner at 8 o'clock, let alone 6 o'clock. In fact, you might just scrape the end of lunch if you go yeah. at 6. Yeah, you would. You would. Um, so I think that's, so there's that kind of, those kind of things to think about. Um, but also, as Leanne mentioned before when we were chatting, um, before we press, press record, was uh, what about your clients? So let's say, let's think about this. If you have, uh, if you prefer to work at night, then it might work for you to be in a very different time zone to where your clients are. So your clients, uh, so you get the morning to yourself where the clients are sleeping. They wake up and get to the desk at nine o'clock. It's three o'clock for you. And you're happy to do six or seven hours from 3 p.m. till 9, 10 p.m. That might be where you get your energy. So there's definitely that sort of like time zone. Um, definitely. And I think understanding, you know, as a, as a freelancer, if you have a remote job, there are going to be some companies who are going to have a preference of what time zone that you're in for a multitude of reasons. I work for people who want to be on me to be on the same time zone. And I've also worked for, um, you know, clients in Australia, for example, who love that I'm on European time zones because it basically means they've got a 24-hour operation. They're finishing their day and picking it up. Um, 
so yeah, there's there's loads of options. I think it's just understanding kind of, you know, what's what works for you. And also with that, you know, is is thinking more on a personal level in terms of friends and family. Um, mm. you know, it can be difficult if you're on the other side of the world, particularly in winter when all the clocks go forward one side and back the other. You're talking, you know, a thirteen to fifteen hours time difference and that's mm-hmm. tricky to try and have a conversation. It has to be very planned. So what are we on to next? This is the uh L, isn't it? So L is for life goals. Yeah, life goals, or she's written life goals or meaningful life events. Okay. So I think this one in terms of living and working abroad, again, can can mean a few different things. For me, the things that kind of sparked my mind straight away in terms of life goals is, well, do you want to have a family? If you want to have children one day, what would that look like in the in the countries that you're in? What are the opportunities for young women versus young men? What is the education like? Will they grow up speaking a different language and what implications will that have or opportunities will that bring? Um, so I think that's that's one. Um, equally, if you're single and want to get married or you know have a relationship um it's it's considering that you know how will i continue to meet people that will have the same interests and and values as myself um what else came to your mind well i mean thinking back to uh we we refer quite often to paul henning who was episode 26 or 27 i think um and he specifically said that he he made a decision to go and live in spain work in gibraltar knowing that his career wouldn't progress as fast that if he'd stayed in Guernsey or gone to mm-hmm. London or something, or he worked, I think he worked in Sydney for a little while, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, so I think that what, what what we're really saying there is that if your life goal, if you are going, right, I want to be a multimillionaire by the time I'm 45, I want to be CEO of a bank, then, you know, this isn't, or, or a company, or you want to do whatever, you've got to think, is this going to work if you go and live in a different country? And very often you make sacrifices for your career, and I mean, to a certain extent, your family and stuff, but you make sacrifice on your life events. And you, it's almost always you're going to have to sacrifice something to go and get the benefits of living, working abroad. Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I mean, in, in terms of other things to think about as well, things like if you want to buy a house one day, mm. not all countries in the world will allow foreign nationals to buy property. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, it's, it's all these little things, it seems so, such small details but actually could really prevent you from living the life that you want. And you're make, taking this massive risk and, you know, turning things upside down to thinking these things through. It's just, you know, when we talked about the water balloon, it's mm-hmm. more layers to make sure that when you make that jump, it's got the best possible chance of working. Cool. So we've done the vital and we've got the plural part now. We're an on S the on S, there. which is strengths. So what did you, how did you take this? So Audrey talked about strengths in a way um, in, I mean, from a work perspective, for example, if you have, you know, you're not in a position where you're able to use your strengths in your work, then that's going to get frustrating quite quickly and it is going to really wear you down. I've been in that situation in the past before and you can do it for a certain amount of time, but it gets to the point where you need to really, really address it. So I think that's one side of it is thinking about, well, if I am moving to, a different job or if I'm starting my own business or if I'm freelancing am I choosing the opportunities that are going to enable me to use my strengths mm-hmm. and if they don't what's my plan to evolve that job or role so that in a soon short period of time I will be able to use my strengths 
Okay. I mean, that's cool. So that's a work point of view. A couple of other points of view like this. Are you strong at languages? Um, have you got a basic in romantic language? So can you speak Italian? If so, you're probably going to pick up Romanian pretty quickly. Hmm. Um, you know, do you speak Russian? Oh, well, Croatian, Bulgarian, then they're not going to be that much of a stretch for you. If you are hopeless at languages and just don't like them, then maybe that does take like Albania out. Because you go, well, you know, I, I need to go somewhere where the majority of people speak English. And if you and you go, right, okay, if I'm not prepared to learn the language, um, then somewhere like Germany, somewhere like um, Netherlands is a great choice because yeah. they speak like 16 different languages there and everyone's just amazing and they, they all speak English. Um, so there's that kind of thing with the strengths. Um, and uh, other things, if you're, if you're very, if, if I'm trying to find a polite way of saying this, if, if socially... You're not strong at going out there and meeting new people. You're looking at me right now, aren't you? <laughs> I see you. Whenever we go to a new event, the ends of the night, the, the, the night before or the day, the day, she's like, "Do we have to go to this?" And then when she comes back. She absolutely loves it. But mm. if you, if if you're going out, if you're like Leanne and you would rather just stay at home with a book and a cup of tea, um, then maybe maybe make sure that you're going out or see if you can partner up with someone, either a partner or, or a husband like me, who doesn't mind going to do that, or go and, and find someone when you go to this new place. Find someone who's outgoing, who is going to invite you and push you to go to these things. Yeah, or I think even just acknowledge okay. that that is... That is a thing. Um, I know my sister, Claire, um, she said she's going to start listening, actually. So really? we'll see. If, Claire, if you have, I want you to drop me a message saying pineapple. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I remember Claire going, getting to a point where I think, you know, both her kids had got older, you know, career was going well and stable. And she was just kind of like, I need to get out and do more. And I think it was a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic. Where she made a decision that she's going to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And she did, like everything. Even if she didn't want to go, she said yes. And and I think that's really cool. You have to, you know, push yourself. So I think it's understanding your your strengths, your weaknesses, and, and, and yeah, how you can manage them. Brilliant. So that was your vitals. And the idea behind that is it's going to tell you a little bit about you. And then you can potentially retrofit a country or culture to your am I, you're shaking your head what, what? yeah no I All agree right. <laughs> I thought I got it wrong a retrofit a country or a culture to that so that you're not going to go and live somewhere that's going to make you unhappy so let's just say that you've done that and you've now got a short list of six or seven places you want to go yeah or even just a bit of a criteria so then when you start to look at places you've you've kind of got ways of evaluating them I think is is pretty good too first question you have to ask yourself is infrastructure a very fancy word, but you have to ask yourself about the infrastructure of your country. Now, that covers things like the healthcare. Now, if you're in Western Europe, your healthcare is probably brilliant. And if you are in Eastern Europe, your healthcare, I'm sure it's equally good, but accessing it as a foreigner might be a bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, things like being in the EU and outside the EU is potentially an issue. If you're going further afield, if you're going to Africa or uh, some of the places, Pacific Islands or something like that. Again, you've got to think about your healthcare um, if that's important. Well, I guess it's important, but if you know, if, you've got to be really careful. With that. Yeah, but I think there's a different consideration to someone who's in their early twenties who has no current health conditions compared to somebody or people like us who are in their, well, you, I'm in my late thirties, <laughs> mid forties, where you know you need to get things checked and make sure everything's okay. And oh, and that check <laughs> over the age of forty-five. Um, so 
so you've got to think about your healthcare. Uh, you also, and also healthcare is expensive. And um, we got health insurance, which covered us for everywhere in the world apart from America, where I think that they did a co-payment or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like five hundred pounds a month we were paying. Yeah, just short of five hundred pound a month for the two of us. Um, I mean, that is expensive, and it's and you can't just rely on travel insurance. Uh, by the way, top tip: you can't take travel insurance out if you've already started the trip. So if you have got in your car and just gone to France and you're going, great, oh, I need some health, I need some travel insurance. Turn around, <laughs> go back. <laughs> so we, in terms of infrastructure, the four key ones we've got here is health. We talked about airports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's important. You know, if you want to if you want to go to other places or you want to get back to see family or friends, um, you know, we've had times where it's been super duper easy, you know, Spain easy to get pretty much anywhere and then where were we was it in macedonia maybe we were trying to get back to the uk and it was just really difficult mm-hmm. we yeah, had think, to go to greece or something yeah i think you're right um so then there's that so there's airports there's health um there is internet big 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 one here <laughs> in most countries in Central and Eastern Europe, the internet is not the same as if you are in Western Europe or the US. I mean, you're used to 100, 120, is it megabyte, gigabyte, whatever it is, a, a second. Um, the dial-up around here, I mean, some countries like where we are now, there is no cable internet. There's no like um, DSL. You just use 4G, like SIM cards. So think about that. What's weird is that you go to rural um, islands in Cambodia and you'll get super fast internet using 4G that's really cheap. And then you might go to somewhere like Albania. And I'm sorry, I keep picking you, Albania. <laughs> Let's choose somewhere else. You go to Bulgaria where the internet is a bit slower. Yeah, it was a bit slower in Bulgaria, actually. A bit more expensive. But then again, it's where you are within that country. You know, we were in kind of central, fairly rural Bulgaria. I'm pretty sure if you go to Sofia, people will say the you know the internet is lightning fast. So it's good point. It's understanding that as well. Once you've kind of narrowed it down to a country, you're gonna if you are gonna go rural, it's making sure that you can check things like that. There's a really good website for the 4G. Do you remember what it's called? Uh, you can check like the yes. No, I will put it in the in the in the show notes. But if you type in something like uh, pay as you go for pay as you go data then it'll come up as it's like a wiki. Um, so I'll, I'll link to it. It's like there. a heat map, isn't it? It kind of like shows you where the Oh, we might be thinking are. about a different one. All right, I'll try and find what that one. What were you thinking about? Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. And the final part of this of this part one, uh, of this question one, is things like Amazon orders. Um, if you, I mean, I'm a massive nerd, and so you're listening to this on uh, microphones. I've got, think all the fancy stuff over here. We've got cameras, we've got lights, we've got all this stuff. Um, in Croatia, it, it is tough to get that kind of stuff. You can't really get it locally. So you tend to have to get it from either the US via Amazon or you get it from Amazon Germany. Um, Amazon the UK used to be good, but it would take two weeks to get here. And now the taxes, because it's outside the EU, means you're paying almost as much for the taxes as you are for your stuff. So if stuff like that is important, if deliveries is important, like Leanne, Leanne's sister Jill sent over some, some lovely stuff over Christmas. Uh, she sent three parcels. <laughs> one of them arrived. Fine. Two arrived. Two arrived, but one of them was battered and bits possibly. I think it's been missing. opened, yeah. Yeah, it had been opened. And the third one, which was which was sent around about the beginning of December, arrived like mid-January. Mm-hmm. And there was and it was smashed it up. It was smashed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it's, you have to consider. And we had to pay to receive it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some kind of customs thing of like oh, six quid, please, for a, an envelope that looks like it's been through a I don't know. 
Oh. Being ragged back and shagged by the raggy baggy shaggy Exactly. <laughs> so, okay, so that kind of covers off infrastructure, I think, doesn't it? Yes. All right. So the next one we've got here is we've kind of grouped them together as as a cost of living, taxes and visa, because this is always sort of your everyday life. So yeah. every day you're going to have to buy buy food. You're probably going to have to pay taxes somewhere and you need to make sure you get a visa to live there. So do you want to talk us through these the, the aspects you've got to consider when you're asking this question? Yeah. So I think we and again, we'll link to it. We did a an episode over the summer that was about um, what our budget is, what our cost of living is, and all the different kind of areas you need to, if you want to create your own budget, what you need to think about. Um, so we talked about things like internet, healthcare, groceries, fun, going out, the car, um, all different aspects of, of, of your life, really, rent, um, mm-hmm. all that type of thing. So it might be one to, to listen back to, um, but I think it is, it's getting a budget together, you know, understanding how much money you're going to earn, how much money you want to spend, how much money you could spend. Um, and, and yeah, just figure that out because that's going to, that's going to narrow it down. If your budget is slightly on lower, Mm-hmm. Then considering somewhere like Singapore, for example, may be tricky. Mm-hmm. Even the UK, you know, UK is expensive. Mm. Um, whereas considering somewhere like Poland um, or Lithuania, Latvia, um, with the cost of living is lower, mm-hmm. um, then that's going to help you kind of narrow it down. Absolutely. So, I mean, and there's a, there's a again, I'm going to link to it because I can't remember what it's called, but it's, if you type in cost of living in and type in a city, you'll get, it'll be the top website that comes up and it'll show you uh, the cost of like coffee, show you the cost of chicken, show you the cost of milk, and then you can compare it to three or four other places. Um, so it's really, really good once you've got a short list, you can double check those, pr- those prices. Um, so you've now decided you've got okay you've got a budget you know how much you can spend a month um for living so that will dictate to a certain extent take some of them out like you said singapore gibraltar those kind of places mm-hmm. um, your next consideration has got to be i think is your residency where you're allowed to live if you are in the eu then lucky you lucky you because you can live pretty much anywhere you want did you just say lucky you i was hoping you hadn't noticed (laughs) we all noticed al (laughs) oh no oh no but if you (laughs) so you can you can move around as much as you like but if you are not in the eu then you have to consider where you're allowed to live um i mean there's we won't go into all the ins and outs because there's schengen for the eu you're allowed to spend three months in every six in in the schengen yeah then you have to piss off and go and spend it somewhere else i think that's worth mentioning quickly because actually we weren't entirely sure what schengen was and i think particularly people in the uk i'm not sure we're gonna necessarily know what this is um but it it does also provide you an opportunity but also a lot of flexibility so you've got the european union and their states Mm -hmm. and then within that you have what is called the schengen zone and that basically means that borders are open you don't hit a border control checkpoint if you're passing from two countries that are both in schengen then you have countries that are still part of the european union but are non-schengen which means you're going to hit a hard border Generally, you well not generally, actually, you're allowed to spend as a third country national, so someone who is not a European Union citizen, three months in Schengen and three months in a non-Schengen country. For example, Schengen tends to be Portugal, France, Spain, 
the Netherlands, Belgium, all pretty much all of the West. Yeah, it is. It is all the West. Apart, I mean, there's there's something strange about Liechtenstein being not in Schengen, yeah. but it might be in something else. But yeah, generally the big countries you see on the map, everything up until you hit, I think it is Hungary was not Schengen. Bulgaria isn't. Hungary is. Schengen. Is it? What about Romania? Romania is not right. Schengen. So you go all the way, you go east, and then you'll hit Romania. That's going to be non-Schengen. You'll go east at the southeast. You're going to go through Italy, Slovenia, and then you're going to hit Croatia, hard border. It's part of the EU, obviously in Europe, but not Schengen. Yes. So what it, what, what it means is that if you wanted to spend time, for example, the perfect, we've discovered the perfect way if you are a third country national is to live, split your time between Bulgaria and Greece because they've got the border. And Bulgaria is non-Schengen, Greece is Schengen. Yeah, I mean, you could say that with Slovenia and Croatia. I think it's it's within the Schengen countries, you've got three months total in 90 days, no, in 180 days, and then you're not allowed to re-enter again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's figuring out your time, whereas if you can bounce happily and easily between a Schengen country and a non-Schengen country, or indeed a non-EU country, so for example, places like Macedonia, Montenegro, Serbia, um, then it's pretty easy to not breach your Schengen time and it not be too much of a headache. But don't think, oh, this must be one of those weird rules that no one ever bothers by. They oh, will no. bother. Oh, no. They, will, they bother. will ban you. And you'll be banned, yeah. You'll be banned from coming in. And which, if you are, if you've driven all the way to Greece and you're having a great time and you spent six months in Greece and they ban you from coming back into Schengen, then you're stuck because you can't drive your car without going to Schengen. Well, that's it. They're not just going to, I mean, <laughs> if it's a non Schengen country, they will probably put some kind of restriction on when you can re enter that country. Mm. If you breach your Schengen visa, you're not allowed in Schengen for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. That rules out so many places. So, yeah, be, just be mindful of that. Be mindful and try not to dot because you, you can technically spend one day in Schengen, then the next day in non-Schengen, but it is a total head fuck. <laughs> um, so, uh, so don't do that. Um, okay, so the in terms of actually where you're going to stay, we although we don't consider ourselves as digital nomads anymore, I don't think, because we tend to have a slower pace of traveling, mm-hmm. we definitely do look at the digital nomad visas because they tend to allow for up to a year staying, relatively easy to get, um, and often there's some very good benefits. Definitely. And I think that, I mean, the, the reason we look at them is is generally other visas aren't necessarily available to us. So, for example, having an actual job in that country. Um, so getting some kind of work visa, starting a business in that country. Um, you can get innovation visas for some place as well if you're in tech. Um, family history, I think usually... I think for some countries it goes back quite far, doesn't mm-hmm. it? You can prove your heritage is to that country and then you can get a special visa. Buying a house. Buying a house, but not always. No. Not always. You'd imagine that that would be kind of an easy one, but but not always. Um, so the digital nomad visa or really for people who work remotely or generate their income from outside said country, there are a lot of... Um, usually a lot of visa options available. It's worth considering whilst these will often be termed digital nomad visas, they're often not digital nomad visas in mm. that, for example, they're, they're actually temporary residency visas. Um, but there is usually a condition within that for people who work remotely. But even within there, they, they differ so wildly. So Croatia, for example, you can get a maximum of 12 months and then you can't reapply for six months and there is no permanent route to residency for third country nationals. Um, 
just, just it, it's really difficult. Portugal, on the other hand, has a very straightforward route to residency. Um, so if you, you know, it's hard if you find somewhere that you love and then realize actually setting up your life there is near impossible. You know, it's it's worth it's worth thinking about the long term options as well if you're specifically looking at digital nomad visas. Yeah, and I, I think the reason why we brought this up, or I brought this up, and I didn't give it much context when I did, was that it's a good way to, to put your to, to test the waters. Yes. So if you've been if you've been every year to France, for example, um, and you love France and you speak French and you got and you're like, right, I'm going to go and live in France. Great. But if you're sitting there going, I really don't know where I want to live. Well, one of these sort of 21 countries is probably a good start. If even if you decide not to live there, at least spending 12 months where somewhere else it'll tell you a little bit more about you what you like what you don't like etc etc definitely and i think you know if you're in a situation where you can you have that flexibility you've not you're not looking for a a, you know a fixed job um is to play on that schengen non-schengen and we talked about that because that's how long you can stay somewhere without having to get some sort of visa um so play with that try different different places absolutely so before we move on to the last one, is there anything else you want to say about um, cost of living, taxes or visa? Tax is just another thing that you need to look into. It's, it's again, significantly different in, in many places you go. The things to, I think, look out for that we didn't necessarily when we first moved to Spain mm. uh, was some of the rules around property. Did you know, for example, that some countries will ask you to, ask you to pay tax on your worldwide assets? Not income, assets. Assets. Well, and income. And income. Yeah, then you have other, you know, other visas like the Croatia Digital Nomad visa. You don't have to pay, you pay zero tax on any money that you earn um, as but, a as a remote worker. But you would pay tax on uh, money for the, from selling crypto uh, with a gain on it. You'd also pay tax on uh, rental income, which we have, but we pay tax in the UK, so it's precluded. Uh, so yeah, just be really, really careful about that. There's a guy on Facebook who he comes across very well and he says, oh, I'll show you all these places where you don't have to pay any tax. I'll be honest. What is it they said? There's only two certainties in life, death and taxes. <laughs> was it taxis? I don't know whether they was, that's what they're talking about. Um, so taxes, yes, consider it, but don't make a decision that you're going to go and live in a really weird place that's very expensive just because, you know, some Pacific Island, just because there's no tax there. Zero tax. And in fact, Dubai has just introduced corporation tax, I think, for the first time. So um, you could decide to go and live somewhere. It'd be great. But anyway. So should we go to the third and probably the for us, the most important yes. question? So question number three, you need to ask about the place. Just to remind you, we talked originally about the vitals. That's asking you about you and learning a lot more about what you want out of life. Now you're going to ask yourself these three questions about the place that's on your shortlist. Probably score them as well. So we talked about infrastructure, for example, airports, health, uh, internet. We talked about cost, taxes and visas, um, cost of living. And the final one is, Leanne. Um, Do you remember? Weather? <laughs> yes, it's weather. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so the final one is weather. Now, we like, Leanne and I love the sun. And I think a lot of people, particularly that come from the UK or mm -hmm. Northern America, will say, I want to go somewhere sunny. But it could be that you want to go somewhere where you can ski in the winter. So, for example, we've got two sets of friends who have both been on um, on the podcast before who love to ski. Um, so, you know, they're in the Alps now where it's sort of minus 10 or something at night. Um, so you need to think about what kind of weather are you looking for? Um, what, what else are you going to say on this, Leanne? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it It might sound like a really trivial thing. I don't think speaking to anyone in the UK, I think you'll get it. And I was watching, I can't remember who it was, but it was some some British celebrity who'd moved to America. Oh, it's Tan France, you know, off of Queer Eye. Stylist. Oh, yeah. From Bradford, I think. Yes, I think so, yeah. And he kind of said that there is nowhere better in the entire world than England on a sunny day. <laughs> like the the energy and the good mood is just so amazing but then 20 minutes later it's going to rain and it'll be gray until next year mm-hmm. and it, and it's you know if you're if you're living in somewhere that is currently very sunny and has a lovely climate and you're considering a move to the UK it's real it's mm. gray it rains, mm-hmm. you know, that, and that might, that, that's going to be difficult. Seasonal affective disorder, it's a it's a real thing. So yes, it is trivial thinking about what kind of weather I want, how it supports my interests, but also, you know, it's, it is going to impact your mental health if you go somewhere that is very different potentially to, to what you're used to. Well, we found that coming from Spain and now we're in Istria, which is quite a bit further north from Spain. So our winters have been, we were Slovenia before this and, uh, history here so our winters we're having like sort of good four months of cold rain not too much rain but but enough rain mm-hmm. uh gray skies putting the fire on because you're cold whereas in uh, where we lived in malaga it was you know you rarely would need the fire on in the winter there might be maybe three or four weeks where you'd need the fire on then the odd day here and there because there's sort of 21 22 degrees during the day and what mm-hmm. i think that's that's a, I, certainly for me has had a big impact when it's sunny here now I just feel so elated and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then when it's raining, I'm like, oh, this is shit. <laughs> Not this place is shit, but, you know, today's shit. We did We did spend a couple of years chasing the summer, I think, didn't we? So. Well, that brings us nicely onto the second strategy, which we did for three years, I think, which was to spend summer, at, so spring, summer and autumn in Europe and then winter um, over in the Far East. And that way we got pretty much 52 weeks of summer. Yeah, or Christmas. It was summer or it was Christmas. Yeah. They were the two options. And so that could be a potential option for you. So if you are considering somewhere, then don't don't think necessarily I've got to try and find the place that's got to tick every single box. You might go, yeah, I am going to go and live in Berlin. Um, but in the winters of Berlin, when it's cold, I'm going to go and live in Malaga or I'm going to go and live in Cyprus or I'm going to go and live in Cambodia or whatever it is. So that mm-hmm. is de- definitely a legitimate strategy. Yeah, and some people hate the heat. Hate mm. the sun. People much prefer, you know, the grey skies of of northwestern Europe. In which case, brilliant. You know, it's it's just understanding what what it is that you like. Um, yeah, and then also I think with heat as well, it's that consideration of humid versus dry. And I'm not sure I really really understood that until we lived in Spain, and it was 38 degrees, and I was walking around and fine. I went back to the UK and it was 18 degrees and I was sweating mm-hmm. because it was so humid. Mm-hmm. And then Southeast Asia is just a different beast entirely. Yeah, 100% humidity basically. And it's, it's unpleasant. Um, okay, so I think we have probably gone on enough for this episode. So let's just quickly recap. So we, we need to ask six questions of yourself. What were those six questions? It's the vitals, wasn't it? Yeah, so values, interests, Temperament. Uh, what's around next? the clock. Around the clock. Life goals. And strengths. 
So that's your vitals, and you'll see that in the show notes. And then you, there's three questions you need to ask of the place you're looking at. And we recommend doing, I recommend doing a spreadsheet because I'm a nerd. But just at least create a matrix and say, right, okay, you're going to ask, ask these three questions against um, the five shortlists. And that is, uh, that is the infrastructure. So that was things like airports, health, Amazon orders, internet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was cost, taxes, and visa, which is just the cost of everyday living. And then finally, it was the weather. Is it, is it to your taste? Yes. So there we go. I think that's some solid advice there. I think it is. Yeah. And it's based on almost almost 10 years of travel. And uh, we've got it wrong a lot of the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah it's, coming, it's coming from experience here, guys. Yeah. Talking of experience, we want to hear from you. Um, we are looking to create some kind of challenge for anyone who's interested in living and working abroad. In fact, anyone who's serious about living and working abroad in 2022, then we want to help you do that. But we don't know what it's going to look like yet. We're still planning it out and got some ideas. So what we'd love you to do is to go onto Instagram, find our sideways life and drop us a DM. And slide into our DM. <laughs> and you'll be dealing with Leanne because I don't Has anyone ever slid into your DMs? I asked that only not because they wouldn't, but you weren't, <gasps> how old were you when social media came out? You were already married, right? Yeah. <laughs> Facebook was what, 2007 and I would have been 30. So uh, that definitely wow. passed me by. Yeah, I was just about to say before you before you said nobody ever would ever want to slide in my DMs is first of all, I don't know what that is. And secondly, you'll be talking to Leanne on Instagram because um, I don't know how to, how to work Instagram. <laughs> um, but if you do want to talk to me, then you just drop an email to asksidewayslife at gmail.com. And then I know how to use an email because that's been around since the 60s. So... <laughs> So tell us, and if you're interested, this is all a roundabout way of saying, look, guys, if you're interested in doing a challenge, then just let us know. Um, it's going to be free. Um, we're just going to try this challenge. And if it works well, then we'll start advertising it and running its product. If it just bombs, then we won't. <laughs> yeah, but also what a lovely way to meet some of our listeners. Absolutely. So pull your phone out, drop us a message if you're interested and serious in living and working abroad in 2022. Have we covered everything, Leah? I think so. Shall we go and get a glass of wine? Yeah. Slightly sunny today, so we might be able to just find the crack in the garden where there's a little bit of sun. Yeah, I'll still put my big coat on, though. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.